Okay. Hey, it's good to be with everybody. And let's open our Bibles, right? Oh, yeah. Like, that's why we come here. We come here to hear the Word of God. Has anybody realized that what's happening outside, like, life is crazy? <laughs> and uh, what's going to give you any kind of gumption? What's going to give you any kind of strength? Um, what is going to carry you uh, through your trouble? Jesus. It's Jesus, yeah. It's not going to be your own strength. I like this thought, actually, really quick, just thinking about it. Like, no matter how strong you are, you still have your limitations. And you're always going to be met with your limitations. And you will be broken at some points. And it's that point of time where you have to realize, you know, is it God or is it my own strength? And we're coming up, I believe we're coming up. Pastor Schaller talked about the rapture this morning. And I believe that we're coming up to a time and an age in life where things are going to get more and more difficult. And we're going to be challenged in our walk with God. And we're going to be asked the question, how much do I really believe? And the thing is, is if we draw near to God, we will find ourselves sustained by God. But if we walk away from God, we're not going to be sustained by Him. You know, it's not because He desires... To see us in pain, right? What is the will of God? The Bible says the will of God that all men are saved. It's God's will that everybody goes to heaven. But people have a free will. And we choose to run towards God. We choose to run away from God. Um, But praise God also that he's very patient. How many of you guys have run away from God before? Yeah. You're not fast enough, are you? (laughs) You weren't winning any Olympic gold medals with Jesus, were you? <laughs> no, no, we weren't breaking any records. Yeah, I mean, Jonah had got swallowed by a fish, guys. I mean, literally, God loved Jonah and wanted to use Jonah so stinking bad that he says, you know what, Jonah, despite your, you know, silliness, you know, I was going to say something else, that would be nice. Besides, despite your silliness, you know, I'm going to use you, and I'm just going to have a fish eat you. You know, that's simple, Jonah. Here you go. Here's a fish. Now come over here and follow God's will. <laughs> but do you know what? Each and, one, each and every one of you are called by God. Amen. Of course, you're called to be saved first. first. But you know what? The church Bible also says you're called to be a part of the body of Christ. That's why I'm excited to have, you know, Michael here. David Cross, I'm excited, excited to have Donna here, Melody singing, Ben singing. I'm excited to see new faces with Ken, you know, Kevin and Mark. I'm excited what happened at the concert yesterday, all the great conversations that we had with many, many other people, Shelly, David, Todd. Um, I mean, we could go on and on, I think, with names with people we talked to yesterday. And that is why, because we are a call to be a part of the body of Christ. I want to talk about being perfected by love. So let's open our Bibles to John chapter 9. I mean, this, this whole chapter, and it's going to connect here in a few minutes. Hey, Bobby, good to see you. This is going to connect here in a few minutes, but, you know, one of the verses I was looking at brought me to John chapter 9. So I read the one verse that it led me to. And I says, well, I'm going to read the whole chapter. And I started reading the whole chapter. And it is such a fun story. I mean, how, I, mean I love Jesus, right? 
But man, after reading this chapter, I had a deeper appreciation for Jesus because I found that in some ways he has, he's, he's very, he just has some humor in him and he loves people and he's not afraid to call a snake a snake. <laughs> so let's open our Bible to John chapter 9. And we're just going to take our time here. It says, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And listen to this. <laughs> and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? For he was born blind. And Jesus answered, neither this man nor the parents sinned, but the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who has sent me while it is day. The night is coming. The night is coming, guys. <laughs> when no one can work, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay and saliva, and he anointed a salve and anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated, translated sense. So he went and was washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who were previously had seen that he was blind said, Is this not he who was who sat and begged this is an amazing story and you you find later on that jesus did this on the sabbath day okay so those of you know that you know jewish law it was not lawful for a man to do any kind of work on the sabbath day and the pharisees considered even healing somebody on the sabbath day as being something that is work and it was not allowed and I love this. When we first open the story, we see that the disciples, they question one thing. The disciples question the sin of the man. Isn't that amazing that here is a man who is born blind, and the first thing they think of is, what has this man done? If he didn't do something, then maybe his parents did something. They question the sin of the man. And... We're going to see that as we go along here, that this is very, uh, very, this is like, you know, as humans, this is what we do. We are so quick to judge what is going on in somebody's life, and we don't look to what God is saying. We don't look at the heart of God. We look at the judgment of man. And here are the disciples who are following Jesus, who are the ones who should have the mind of Christ, who should be thinking like God, but what are they doing? They are judging. Now let's go to verse 10. It says, Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? So number one, we have the disciples questioning the sin of the man. Number two, we have the community questioning the miracle of God. Verse 15. I don't want to read the whole story. It's the whole chapter, but... Verse 15 says, Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. And he tells them the story of what Jesus did. Disciples questioning the sin. Community questioning the miracle. The Pharisees questioning the miracle. And you continue to read, and later on again, the Pharisees are still not satisfied with the testimony. So they call the parents in and ask them questioning the miracle again 
On and on and on and on and on, what are they doing? They're questioning the work of God. Questioning the sin of the man. And it gets so bad, actually. In John chapter 9, verse 24, So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give the glory to God. We know that the man is a sinner. Who are they talking about? They're talking about Jesus. Disciples questioning the sin of the man. The community questioned the miracle. Pharisees questioned the miracle. Now the Pharisees are questioning the sin of Jesus. And we move later on down to verse 34. I'm sorry, I'm moving a little fast to this story. But I mean, just look at the progression of what's happening. They answered and said to him, You were completely born in sin, and you are teaching us? <laughs> I mean, I, I, let's back up. Let's, let's read what this man who is healed, what they say to the what he says to the Pharisees. It says, Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. Verse 28, now verse 29. It says, We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. And the man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. And he's getting kind of bold talking to the Pharisees right now. These are the guys who are in charge. Okay? So they thought. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, yeah, so they thought. I mean, but culturally speaking, they were. Yes, they were. You know, they were in charge. They're in control. And this guy, he is going through a witness testimony. And they're basically saying he's bearing fault witness. And he says, you know, we're, and they say we're, Mo, we're Moses' disciples, but this disciple, we're not, we're not a disciple of Jesus. Verse 30, the man answered and said, why is this so marvelous a thing that you do not know where he is from? Yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God, he does his will and hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of a man who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, you are completely born in sins. Plural. You are completely born in sins. And you are teaching us. And you are teaching us. And they cast him out. I love this story here of Jesus healing this man. Because there are so many things happening. But the number one thing that is happening, we can sum it up in one word. And that is judgments. The disciples are judging the man and saying that he is born in sin. Or his parents are sinful. The community is judging Jesus for the miracle. Is this real or is this not real? The Pharisees are judging Jesus and judging the miracle over and over again for Jesus and the man. And they come to the very end here and they're saying, you are completely born in sins and you think you are teaching us? And it says this word, and they casted him out. Now this word isn't used very often in the, in the New Testament, but when it's used, it is used in a violent way. Many of the Pharisees got physical with this man, and they not only put him out of the temple, but now he is not ever allowed to come back in. Because earlier in the story, if you read it, 
you, you read that his parents were scared to answer the Pharisees because they also realized that they could be cast out of the temple and never allowed back in. So they kind of says, you know, let him answer for himself. And this man got so bold where he said, are you his disciples also? Because after all, these are supposed to be men of God. And how this man looked at it, as we read, he did a work of God, so he healed. He, was, he must have been healed by God. It must have been from God because only God could heal them. He said it has been done from the beginning of time. It has never been done. So he must be from God. Over and over and over and over again, there is judgment and there is judgment. And the man is cast out of the temple. He is never allowed again to have fellowship with God because of a so-called lie. Now I want to turn to another verse. Let's turn to 1 John. I'm not going to tell you the chapter until I get there, so that way you don't beat me. I'm competitive, you know, so if you beat me to the reference, you know. No. Yeah, you're wrong. First John. I want to say it now. Four, because I'm there. <laughs> I won, guys. I won. First John chapter four, verse 17. It says, love has been perfected among us. In this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgments, because as he is, so are we in this world. Verse 18, listen to this. There is no fear in love. But what does love do? Cast out. It's the same word that's being used here in John chapter 9. Love violently casts out fear. Love violently casts out fear. Because fear involves, my Bible here says torments. It can also be translated as judgments. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Verse 19. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. This is an amazing Bible verse, and how this connects with John chapter 9 is so amazing. It's so beautiful. Because here is a man who is an outcast in society. When you had a physical deficiency, you were looked at in the community as being cursed by God. When you were barren and couldn't have children, you were looked at as being cursed by God. When you had less than a lot, you were looked at as being cursed by God. It was a very materialistic society. What you had was because of what God has given you. If you don't have, it's because... And Job's friend, Job's friend said it to him. If you don't have this curse that has come upon you, it is because there is sin. There is sin in your life. And because there is sin in your life, now you are being judged. Who are you being judged by? By God. So here is God. He is judging you for sin in your life. And now you are having less in your life than what God would have you to have. 
But I'm here to tell you guys, that is so far from the gospel. You don't read that once in the New Testament. Because you have is not because you have faith. Because you have isn't because you are so good and sin is not in your life. Because you have is very simply a gift of grace in the Bible. And as we said last night in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, it says that our hearts, our hearts should be established in grace. Meaning that every good gift that we received, it is from above. It is not from you. It is not from your works. Your salvation cannot be earned. Your good standing with God cannot be earned. Your calling from God cannot be earned. It is a gift of grace from God. But do you know what, ladies and gentlemen? We experience that gift when we are perfected in love. Verse 17, it says, Herein our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgments. You know, very specifically, and I love how God connects this together with Pastor Shallower this morning talking about the day of judgment. One day, there's going to be a day of judgments. You know, where we are going to have to stand before God and we're going to have to answer before Him the things of how we have spent our life. You know, and those, you know, verses are in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, where it says that all the things that we have done in our life will be burned. Some of it will be wood, hay, and stubble, meaning it's going to burn, and it's going to burn fast. And what remains is precious, it says. Right? In Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it talks about the day of judgment of Christ. That means that one day we are going to stand before God and we are going to be judged for how we use our life. <clears throat> now, for a believer, this is not a day to be in fear, okay? Because it's not a judgment of hell or heaven. It's a judgment of how we invest it. Look at that as an investment. Have you ever, any of you guys ever tried to invest money? Yeah. Anybody ever invest in the past few years in Bitcoin, Dogecoin, or, or Tesla, or anything? You know, any of these kind of cryptocurrencies? You know, anything? I mean, right now you're doing okay. We have a friend here, you know, that, you know, is playing a little bit, you know, during, during the um, GameStop thing. And he got in, man, and he got in, and he got in good. And he, the next week I saw him driving a brand new Audi. Because <laughs> he got in, and he got in good. You know, like what, but what was he doing? I mean, we could say gambling, <laughs> but what he was doing is he was investing. He was taking a chance. Yes, but it was a calculated chance that he made to invest a little bit of money to see what happened. And it was a calculated chance on when to pull out and collect the money. And he won. He beat the system and he was rewarded with an Audi. <laughs> In some ways, it's very similar with us. You know, I don't want to degrade this, but, you know, we have a short amount of time to be on this earth. And God is asking us, how are we investing in it? And he's not asking you to do anything big and miraculous, and, and, but he's, he's asking you this. 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. How do we invest our time? 
We love him. We love him. Very simple. And do you know what? So when we're gambling with God, you could say it that way, if you want to say it that way. There's not much regrets, is there? There's not much regrets because it says he first loved us. So you know you're going to win. You know you're going to win. You come here today to church. You are, what are you doing? You are investing with God. You went to the concert last night. What happened? You are investing with God. And maybe today, this is your first time here, guys, and maybe you don't feel that this church is for you. That is okay. But what I challenge you to do, what I challenge every one of us to do, is it doesn't matter where God places you physically, keep investing with God. Because if it's not here, it's somewhere else. God has called you to a church. God has called you to a ministry. And God has a ministry for you. So, but listen to this. There's another kind of judgment, isn't there? I mean, that's what John is talking about here. Well, let's think about it another way. There's another kind of judgment. The word judgment means to be accused and to be condemned. If you read that, those verses in John chapter 9, what is happening to this blind man? He is being accused and he's being condemned. Disciples, what do they do? Accuse him before Jesus. <laughs> you ever like, you know, you have some rich and powerful friend and you try to butter him up. Hey, look at this guy over here. Something must be wrong in his life, you know. You know, they're trying to butter up the powerful, you know. They're accusing him. And then he is in the, in the temple and what is happening? He is being accused. And they are gathering an evidence to accuse him. And without sufficient evidence, what do they do? They condemn him. That's what happened in John chapter 9. It is no different today in our own lives. Listen to these verses. Revelations chapter 10, uh, 12, verse 10. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. Amen? Amen. Who accuses them. What does he do? He accuses them day and night before God. There is a devil and he is busy. What is he busy doing? Accusing. And condemning us. Job chapter 1 verse 9. And Satan answered the Lord and says, Does Job fear God for no reason? <laughs> what is Satan doing? Accusing. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1. He showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand, accusing him. Luke chapter 22, verse 31. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded or Satan desires to have you that he might sift you as wheat. In John chapter 9, who was doing the accusing? Satan. In John chapter 9, who is doing the condemning? Satan. Thank you, Michael. Somebody's here. <laughs> you know, it is Satan that is doing the accusing. It is Satan who is doing the condemning. And it is no different today. We are here and we are spiritually lame. We are blind. We are deaf. We think we know the things of God, but we don't. That is why we're here opening our Bible. Because we want to hear the things of God. And what is Satan doing? 
He is accusing you. He is before God and he is condemning you. I mean, we read it in those verses. And you can put your name there. Job chapter 1, verse 9. And Satan answered the Lord and says, Does Ben fear God for not, no reason? He's condemning you. He's condemning you. You know? Ryan, Ryan, behold, Satan demands to have you and sift you as wheat. You know, less. Satan demands to sift you. Kevin, Satan demands to sift you. What does that word sift mean? I love this word. One scholar says it this way. It means to agitate him. So the idea was is that they used to have these threshing floors, right? You guys probably know this. They would take the wheat and they would beat it. The shafts would blow away in the wind and the kernels of wheat would fall down. You would agitate the wheat so that way, you know, the, the, stu- the worthless stuff could be blown away. So one scholar says it this. To agitate him, to see whether anything of faith would remain. I love that. Satan desired to sift Peter to see if anything of faith would remain or whether all would be found as chafe, as chaff. As Satan is doing the same thing today to us, guys. It is no different today. We are going to be beaten. We're going to be agitated by Satan. And the reason why Satan is doing that is to see if there's anything of faith that's going to remain or if all would be found as chaff, chaff, being blown away, being blown away, right? That is Satan's desire. You know, Satan has a desire in your life. Here is this man, this man who is born blind. Satan has a desire in this man's life. And we see it. Accusation after accusation after accusation. Satan is talking to you. Maybe he's using a person. Maybe I say something dumb to you sometime. And Satan uses me to say something dumb to you to offend you. Why does that happen? Because Satan has a desire. Do you think that I would ever hurt you intentionally? No. Do you think it'll happen? Yes. <laughs> Why? Not because of my desire, but because of Satan's desire in your life. But in that moment of Satan's desire, God is using that to burn the rubble and to get rid of it. And to reveal that which is so precious. Because God has another desire. What is his desire? His desire is that you may be found perfect in love. And I love that word. Where God takes and he casts down. It's a a strong expression. It means to turn out to the doors. Fear is cast out of the fear of the fellowship of love. Listen to that. Fear is cast out of the sphere of the fellowship of love. You know, ladies and gentlemen, when we are walking with God... When we are allowing God to work, uh, to love us, where are we abiding? We are abiding in the sphere of fellowship of love. Why? Not because I am doing something, 
I love that phrase, sphere of fellowship of love, because what that means is that I am in a place in life where I am allowing God to fellowship with me according to love. Okay? So here's Michael. Does Michael have sin in his life? We're not going to talk about his sin. But does he have sin in his life? Maybe. So how do I fellowship with him? Oh, I could fellowship about the problems in his life, you know? Hey, I don't, you know, your shirt has three too many flowers on it. You know? I mean, I could fellowship about something in his life, and I could say, well, you know, God has told me to say this, and I'm going to correct him. I could also fellowship with him about football. You know? What football teams do we like out here in Frederick? Ravens? What's that? Tampa? Redskins. Redskins. Oh, we don't say that. Yeah. Washington. Washington. Washington team. The Washington Wokes. <laughs> yeah, so we can have, we, oh, see, we're having fellowship about football. This is awesome. You know, there's a sphere, and here we are. We could be a group, and we could be fellowshipping about something, right? But it's not love. And when we are fellowshipping with God, how are we fellowshipping? The Pharisees were fellowshipping in accusations. And they called that from God. Oh, we're upholding the law of God. Right. You think God is up there and he can't defend himself? No. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go and heal somebody on the Sabbath day, you know what? I think if God had a problem with it, he could strike you dead. <laughs> you know? Pastor Shabelli has a few stories about that, actually. Yeah. You know, God can defend himself. We see it over and over again in the Bible. God can defend himself. Okay? So we don't need to be, like, fellowshipping in something in the name of God, but it's actually not from the heart of God. See, was the law from God? Paul says yes. But it wasn't being applied with the heart of God. And Jesus comes down on the planet on earth, and he begins to minister, and he begins to teach. And what does he do? He begins to fellowship with people in love. So he grabs people who are sinners, and he sits with them, and he eats with them, and then now all of a sudden they are in a sphere of fellowship of love. And you know what? When there is so much sin in my life, adultery, you think about who Jesus fellowships with? Adulterers, tax collectors, fishermen, <coughs> sinners, 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 sinners. And when they were in the presence of God, they were not, you know, looking at their sin because they were in a sphere of fellowship of love. What happened in their life at that moment? Fear was cast out. Fear was cast out. And just as this man was cast out of the tabernacle, out of the temple, and no longer to ever come in to sacrifice, never allowed to, ever to come again and listen to the message from the scrolls, he was never allowed again. He was cast out of the temple. But where was he accepted? He was accepted in a sphere of fellowship of love. And that was a place where fear was never allowed to enter. You know, ladies and gentlemen, in these days, if you take yourself out of the sphere of love, 
you'll find yourself being tormented. You'll find yourself being accused, 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 accused. You'll find yourself being condemned, being condemned, and being condemned. You'll never be good enough. That's what you're going to say to yourself. But if you just come and you allow John, 1 John 4, 19 to be true in your life, that you love him, why? Because he first loved us. I mean, look at this. I mean, just in 1 John chapter 4, sphere of love, verse 9, God sent his son. That's being in the sphere of love. What did you have to do with God sending his son? Nothing. Nothing. It's a gift from God. Verse 9, also we have life through his son. What did you do to get life? Nothing. It's through his son. And then verse 10, it says that God loves us. See, when we're in the sphere of love, what is taken out? Satan's, Satan's taken out, yes. Yeah. Another S word? Self. 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 Where do you see the word self once? It is all from God. Every good gift is from above. And it is from God. And does he ever want to stop giving you? No, we talked about it weeks ago. It is like the ocean of grace coming down and and wave after wave after wave after wave. Grace upon grace. Grace upon grace comes upon you. Why? Why? So you can enter into a sphere of love where you are accepted in God and you can never have any accusation, never have any condemnation come from God. Amen. But it's going to come, guys. It's going to come from the culture. It's going to come from Satan. It's going to come from family. It's going to come from somebody. I mean, I, I, you know, when I moved to China, my grandmother said to me, you know, what are you doing? I mean, and, and she, she, she's a Christian. She went to church every Sunday. She, and she goes, why would you ever go to China? I said, to share the love of God. Amen. And she says, to those people? They're terrible people. I probably shouldn't have said who it was, actually. Sorry. I just uncovered my grandmother. <laughs> but she's never going to be on Spotify to listen to this, so we're Okay. <laughs> I'm not condemning her. No, I'm not. No, no. <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> but I've heard it said, I mean, you know, going to different areas in the city and seeing people with funny color hair and different kinds of lifestyles and saying, no, I can't minister the grace of God to them. Why? Because look at them. Look at them. No, that's not what God does. That's what the world does. And if you come out of your shell... Is come out. Why do we come out? First John chapter 4 says we have to love our brother. What are we doing? Loving your brother is only me being loved by God and asking somebody else to come into this fellowship. Amen. And you know what? You know, you're, you're a little strange, man. Yeah. I don't think I can do too much. Oh, <laughs> you're a little strange, man. But do you know what? I'm going to invite you into this fellowship. Where you can experience love of God. And you know, maybe I don't love him so much, but I can learn to love him, right? Because I can learn to allow God to love me. That's what happens in the sphere of love. 
We're going to close here in a couple minutes. But let's go back to John chapter. I'm not telling you what chapter, but you already know what chapter. John chapter 9. Let's see how the story ends. Amen. Because it's even better than the beginning. So verse 34, and he answered and said to him, you were completely born in sins and you are teaching us. And they cast him out. Verse 35, this is the heart of God. And Jesus heard that they cast him out. And what did he do? And when he had found him, he said to him, do you believe in the son of God? Jesus went to find the person who was cast out. He healed him. Isn't that enough? The man testifies that Jesus is at least a prophet. Okay? Isn't that enough? But he sees that he's been cast out. He's been cast out of fellowship. And he goes and finds him. Do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered and says, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped. And Jesus said, For judgments I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those, that who, and those who see may be made blind. You know, that's an interesting verse. We're talking about judgment. You know, there are some people who are going to be judged, meaning that they are going to have to answer for their decisions, you know, on how they respond to the word of God. But this is he's talking to the Pharisees guys here. All right. He's not talking to you. (laughs) And some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? And Jesus said to them, you know, I love, you know, so I love Jesus yeah. when he's sarcastic. Yeah, yeah. I'm sarcastic. My, my, my humor is sarcastic. If anybody ever gets to know me, you know. You're sarcastic, right? <laughs> and Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would, you would have no sin. <laughs> but now you say we see, therefore sin remains. Yep. But I love this story. That God, Jesus goes and he finds the person. He finds the blind man and he draws him into fellowship. He was kicked out of fellowship and now he is drawn into fellowship. You know, today, you guys are being called into fellowship. Out there, I hope that in some ways we're never accepted. (laughs) Because we are different. The Holy Spirit lives within us. And we march to the beats of God's drum. We are a little bit different, and that's okay. And we might be accused, we might be condemned out there in the world. You know what? You might condemn yourself. But God is stronger. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for these words. And we just look, we see how the disciples question the sin. The community is questioning Jesus' miracle. The Pharisees questioning him being cast out. And I wonder what was happening in this man's heart. I've been blind my whole life, and life has been terrible. I've been reviled. I've been 
condemned my whole life because of my blindness, and now I'm being healed, and what's happening again is even worse. I wonder what was happening in his mind. But Jesus was there. Jesus was there to heal, and Jesus was there to draw him in. And I pray, Lord, that in these days, you will teach us to love the Bible. Draw us in to your fellowship of love. Draw us in. Teach us to love the Bible. Teach us to love church. Teach us to love you know, worship music. Teach us to hate. Here's a good one, guys. I'm preaching in my prayer. <laughs> Teach us, Lord, to hate sin. We don't have to go and point it out and say, I hate what you're doing. And we don't have to be one of the, we don't have to be a Pharisee ourselves. But teach us to have no more taste for sin in our life. The sin that's in our life, teach us to lose taste for it, Lord. Only because we are drawing closer to who you are into your fellowship. Draw us, Lord, draw us, Lord, draw us. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.